Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. God open up the Red Sea and they have escaped from Egypt. They have watched the Red Sea collapse upon Pharaoh and his army. And now they're singing a song to God. And what is the first verse of this song? That God is my strength. God, he's my song. And he's become my salvation. They're singing praises to God. The first song that's recorded in scripture is this phrase here. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. The Lord is my salvation. These three verses are important in this very first song. As they've just witnessed God's power. As we understand the second passage. In Psalm 18, this is a prophecy. Psalm 18 is a prophecy of Christ's path to Calvary. And it happened to be the last song that he sang on the way to, on to, to Gethsemane. We'll highlight this a little bit more in just a moment. But think about this. It's a prophecy about Christ. And Christ himself sang that song as he went to Gethsemane to pray. And then later went to Golgotha to die. This is... His song he was singing, and as he was singing, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my song, has become my salvation. Notice, if you don't mind, in the book of Isaiah, this passage here. This passage is dealing with the millennial kingdom. It's a millennial kingdom passage, and it's announcing that during the time of the millennial, everyone will sing in celebration. And what is everyone going to sing in the millennial kingdom? God is my strength, God is my song has become my salvation. So think of the three contexts of this, of this passage. The first one is a song sung because of God's great power and delivery and showing who he is. The second passage is a prophecy speaking about Christ dying for our sins that Christ himself sang. And then the third is dealing with a millennial passage, millennial kingdom passage where we will participate in this great song. And what is the song we're going to sing? That God is our strength. God is our song and God is our salvation. Well, if you don't mind, let's study this verse just a little bit more. Notice the first thing. God is our strength. God is our strength. I want you to notice that God just doesn't give us strength. He is our strength. There's a difference there. You know, some people have the imagination that God is so far up and he's so different that what he does is he just kind of, here, gets strength. And he lends us strength. But you know, our strength is God. When you have God, you have the Holy Spirit within you. God has control. He is leading. You have the strength that you need. He is your strength. You know, strength is a byproduct of the goal. The goal is God. When you have strength, you or when you have God, you will have strength. He is your strength. This is a little bit of a difference. You may say semantics, but it's a big deal. That he just doesn't give you strength. He is your strength. May I show that to you? 
In the gospel record of John chapter 15, Jesus is taking his disciples and he's giving some last minute teaching as he is preparing to go to the cross of Calvary. And in the gospel record of John chapter 15, Jesus begins to teach them about him being the vine and they are the branches. The vine, in this case, you would think of a branch of a tr- or the trunk of a tree and the branches would go out. With this in mind, in John 15 and verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine. This is the idea of the trunk of the tree the main stem of the plant. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now, I want you to think about this. If you took a tree, and we would know that the tree would have pores and veins that actually go through the trunk and go through the branches. And so they are one with each other. That the trunk is giving the strength, the nutrients, everything that the branch needs. When we abide in Christ, we are now grafted with him. He gives us the strength. But what happens if you take that branch off of that tree? Well, then that tree cannot, or that branch cannot survive without the trunk. It cannot survive without the trunk supplying it. It can't survive without the trunk giving it the strength to hang out. When it's all by itself, it withers and dies. Here we understand that without Christ, without us abiding in Christ, without Him, we can do nothing. Notice, it's not with the strength he gives us. It's without him. We must have him. He's the one that supplies strength, but it is him that we must have. I'm leading us somewhere here, but we have to understand what this is teaching. That God is our strength. He is our strength. He doesn't give us strength. He is our strength. Well, let's take the last one next. So God is our salvation. Well, we know salvation is a person and not a plan. I don't have a plan of salvation. I have a person of salvation. I am saved not when I say a prayer. I am saved when I accept Christ. Salvation is the person of Christ. It's not a plan. It's not a one, two, three, pray after me. It's not an idea that I do this ritual or do this thing. It's when I have Christ, I have salvation. The Bible talks about in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I am saved because I have the Son. I am forgiven of my sins because I have the Son. I am not forgiven of my sins because I do a ritual or I do some religion. I am saved because of a person. And I cannot separate that salvation from the person. Without Christ there is no salvation. There is no forgiveness of sins. So therefore we understand that when it says that Christ is my salvation. God is my salvation. That we're referring to a person. Not a plan. Just like God it doesn't give me strength. He is my strength. When I have God I have strength. When I have God I have salvation. With that same logic... We understand that God is our song. The word song that is found in these three verses is from the word Zimrath, which 
deals with the idea of instrumental music. It means to pluck on the strings of an instrument. This word is showing that God is our song not in the words only, but in the music itself. So what we're understanding is that God doesn't give us a song to sing. He is our song. You cannot separate the study of biblical music outside of God. Now this word, Zimrath, is only used in these three verses. And it comes from the idea of pluck or strike. These verses teaches us that God doesn't just strengthen us. He is our strength. These verses teaches us that God just doesn't save us. He is our salvation. That God just doesn't give us the song to sing. He is our song. Therefore, we understand that the study of biblical music is the study of God. That we're learning more about God through music. What this also teaches us, that if music Biblical music is God, meaning that we study God, this God is our song. We know that we live in the time of the spirit of Antichrist. The word anti just doesn't mean against Christ, it means replacing Christ. So therefore, and we're going to build upon this for the rest of the series, Satan wants to give us a replacement God by giving us replacement music. They understand that the study of music is not the study of preferences. This is what I prefer. This is my style. We understand that the study of biblical music is the study of the Bible to understand who God is. And the music reflects who that God is. Not just in the words, but in the music itself. This is so important. Why is this so important? Well, we can see this reflected when people (laughs) get upset When we teach on music. I get more hate mail over two subjects. Santa Claus and music. Why? Because if God is our song. Then what happens is if they have a different God. That's taught about in the Bible. Then we're attacking their God. When we start to teach on biblical music. This is why people get so personal. And so upset. Because they like their God. And they don't want to have the God that is of the Bible because it may replace the God that they have. This goes a lot deeper. That's just a surface statement, but it goes a lot deeper than this. This is why the study of biblical music is so important. And by the way, every biblical Christian should be able to biblically defend what they believe and why they believe it. Not with just preferences, but to say, this is what I believe about God to be true from the Bible that is carried on in music. Again, music is mentioned so many times because God is musical. Which brings us to where we're going now. God is musical. Did you know that God is musical? Sometimes we don't think about that. We think that we like music. We enjoy listening to music. Music makes us feel good. Music sets off emotions. We like the words. It's beneficial. There's a lot of things about music. But God is musical. We were made in God's image and because he likes music, he created us to like music. Let's uh, explore this thought a little bit more. Music is the only thing that I know that was in heaven before God made the world and music came to earth with us and we're going to take music back with us when we go to heaven. Music existed before creation. 
Music is very important to God. That tells us a lot. Music's not about us. It's about God. God did not make music for man. God made music for him. Therefore, as we look at things differently, we understand that if music is for him, we need to find out what he says about music. Again, we're building up, this is all introduction, but we're building some important principles that we will add to and build upon for the next couple weeks. We know that music is a part of God's nature. Now, with more proliferation of music, meaning that we have a plethora of music, tons of music, with more music around us, we have less of an understanding of music. With a true statement, in America, we're surrounded by music. No matter where you go, there is music. You're in the elevator. You're in the grocery store. You're going to the radio. You're going outside of Walmart to get inside of Walmart. They have the music going. We have music all around us. And it's one of those things, one of those weird things about human beings, that if it's all around us and we're used to it, we know nothing about it. For example, how many of you know how your car works? Now, some of you might. We know that we are thankful for electronics and YouTube and, and uh, PowerPoint and stuff. But how do you know how it works? Max may. But you understand... With music all around us, we actually know very little. The average person knows very little about music. And so therefore, if we know very little about music, the only thing we could base music off of is what we know, which is what we feel like we like. Our preferences, our opinions, our thoughts, rather than the actual what is music and how does music tie to the Bible. We understand that this is a principle we're building off of, that maybe we don't have an understanding of music that we don't. If we're going to be honest, usually most of our things are based off of preference. Well, we don't want to deal with preference. We want to understand what does the Bible have to say about God and what does God have to say about music. With this, we know that God is part, music is part of his nature, that music has existed as long as God has. And we know that God is eternal. That creation had a beginning point and creation is going to have an end point. But music existed before creation. And we could prove that. I'm not going to do that now. But music has existed as long as God's existed because God is musical. Did you know God sings? The Bible says he sings. We went over this passage recently in the, in, uh, the Minor Prophets. But in the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Did you know your God sings? And he sings over you. Our God is a musical God. And he sings. You know the Bible says more about God being musical. Did you know he plays an instrument? He plays a trumpet. The Bible speaks about in the book of Zechariah chapter 9. And the Lord shall be seen over them. And his arrows shall go forth as lightning. And the Lord God shall blow the trumpet. And shall go with whirlwinds of the south. By the way, the book of Zechariah in this thing is talking about the coming of the Lord. And it says the coming of the Lord that God is going to blow the trumpet. Interesting enough, another passage that deals with the coming of the Lord is in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, where the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump 
of God. Could it be that God's playing his own trumpet? Well, we know he plays the trumpet according to the Old Testament. It could be the trump of God's going to play. God plays a trumpet. God is musical. Well, we know that God sings. We know he plays an instrument. But do you know that Jesus sang? Jesus sang. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26 and verse 30, it says, And when they, this is Jesus and his disciples, right after they finished the Last Supper and they're preparing to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, that when they had sung a hymn, they went into the Mount of Olives. Now someone says, well, what did they sing? Well, that's a good question. What they sang was Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. These are called the Hallel Psalms. These are used in ceremonially. They were sung by the uh, Jewish people as preparing for the Passover meal. That they would have um, the first two psalms were more of a preparatory introduction. Then they would sing two psalms before the meal. Then they would sing the rest of the songs after the meal. And so they would sing this. They was already established. This is what they would do. So as the disciples went out, they sang Psalm uh, 113 to 118. And it just so happens that Psalm 18 verse 14 is the Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. What song did Jesus sing? Jesus sang the Lord is my strength, my song, and is become my salvation. It's powerful to think that Jesus is singing this song. By the way, when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, what is he asking from from God? He's asking for strength. The Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews chapter number 12 that for the joy of the cross, he and Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He had a peace, a joy. He had a song and he was singing the song knowing he in a couple hours he's going to the cross. He sang a song and then he's become my salvation. We know that Jesus Christ became our salvation when he died on the cross of Calvary. And he's singing this song of himself that boys, you may not know it, but I'm singing the song. I'm letting you know I'm going to become your song, your strength. I'm going to become your salvation. Jesus is singing this song. Jesus sang. And he sang this same thing. We understand that God is a musical God. But something else that we learn from scriptures is that not only is God a musical God. But that God wants us to be singing people. God wants you to be singing people. May I show you just a couple of things? Uh, I can't take time to show you all, but may I show you a couple? Let's show a big thing here. That God had Moses write a song. God wants us to be singing people so much that he said, Moses, I want you to write down this song for the purpose of sitting on your shelf. Why did he tell him to sit, write the song? For the purpose of the people singing it. It talks about this in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 31, 19. Now therefore write ye this song for you. And teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths. That this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. God says I want you to write down this song. And I want you to teach the people. I want you to put this song in their mouths. For the purpose that when they sing this song... They think about me. It's a witness to, uh, to me against them that they realize that God is who they should depend upon. We understand something about music. We'll build upon this later. But music is so important for us to think about him. And it keeps us from sinning. 
it talks about more in the book of Deuteronomy 31. And it shall come to pass when many evils and trouble befall them that this song shall testify against them as a witness. Notice this. Now as evils and troubles come upon them, God is going to use song, music, to remind them to trust in Him. To think about Him. It's going to be testified for Him, a witness to them. And it's not going to be forgotten. Remember that God has become our song. And he uses the song for us to remind ourselves of him. To know him. In the book of Deuteronomy 31 too, Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. God says write this song. This is why I want you to write this song. Now write the song. And he did. He obeyed God. And the Bible talks about in the book of Deuteronomy. That God, about the song that God had Moses write. And later on in that chapter, Deuteronomy 31, 30. And Moses spake in the ears of the congregation of Israel the words of this song until it was ended. So here Moses is tasked by God to write a song and to teach people to sing this song. So that way the people can look to God. Because why? Because God is our strength. God is our song. And God is our salvation. And music is something that God used because God is music. He is our song. It's something that God uses as an instrument to keep us close to him. Music is so important. Well, because music is so important, let me show you another thing that God wants us to be a singing people. In the book of Psalm 141 and verse 1, this is one example of this statement. But praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints. Now, in the Bible, the one thing that's most associated with the new life that we have is a new song. This new song is, not, is new in type and not in time. What do I mean by that? God is not saying, well, I'm giving you a new song for the contemporary ages. I'm giving you a new type of song to sing because of what I've done for you. That before you sang a different song, but because I've become your strength, because I've become your salvation, and because I gave you, or am your song, I now have a new song for you to sing. The song about me. It's a new song in type. And not. And the one thing repeated over and over, the number one thing that is associated with the new life is a new song. Again, where God places an emphasis, that's an important emphasis. That God wants us to be singing people because He is our song. With this, we now come more of an application to what we're hitting today. That music reflects a view of God. Remember that the Lord is our strength. The Lord is our salvation. And the Lord is our song. Therefore, the reflection of God is going to show up in our music. What do I mean by this? Music reflects a view of God. Music reflects a philosophy, an application of what we believe to be true about God. If the music doesn't seem bad, the place doesn't seem bad as either. There's something about music is that it really <laughs> bridges a gap. And so music is so important because music can make something that's bad seem not as bad. Music does have that, that idea. It bridges a gap. It gives a reflection of what we believe to be true about God. What we believe to be true about right and wrong things. So 
our sacred music then reflects about what we think about God. Our music should. The songs we sing teaches others and reminds us what we believe to be true about God. This is why music is so important. For example, if our music is majestic, then we believe we have a majestic God. Because of the way that we sing it. Our God is king. He is worthy. He is amazing. There is a majesty that goes with it. And if we sing in that way. Then it is a reflection of others. They believe that their God is king. There is a way to sing for that. At the same time. If we have sentimental music. Then we have a sentimental God. Sentimental music is more of a, of a feely. Touchy. Breathy thing. What it does is it reflects the idea of God. Now someone says, what's wrong with a love style? Because don't we love God? Yes, but I love God differently than I love my wife. And therefore my music should reflect that love is different. The love that I have God is because he is God. He, he deserves all praise. He deserves worship. He is who he is. I do not sing the same style of I love you the same way that I would sing to my wife because it is a different type of love. And it's a different way of love. I love God differently than I love my wife. Same thing's true about pop. Pop is popular music. If I have pop music, I have a popular God that fits in with the masses. Me and JC hanging out. We understand that that's a poor reflection of God. Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than the brother, but he is God still. And he's never ceased to be God. And that we have to be careful because how our music is presented is how we reflect who our God is. Again, we're going to build more upon this later, but we're understanding the principle that the Lord is my strength. He is my salvation. He is my song. And therefore, the way that I sing and what I sing is a reflection of this God who is my song. So how do we understand where do we get the right type of music? We don't want to base it off of our preference. We don't want to base it off our thoughts. So where do we get this? Well, we understand that, first of all, the Bible is God's method of communication to us. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to us. This is how God teaches us about who he is. So therefore we must trust the Bible. With this we know that God's word also has God's attributes. If you've never studied this, this is a fascinating study that God's word has all of God's attributes. For example, the Bible is holy. God is holy. Did you know that the Bible is eternal? The Bible speaks about that. That the Bible is eternal, just like God is eternal. And that the Bible is infallible, just like God is infallible. And you could go on with the attributes of God. Therefore, the study of God, are, it requires the study of the Bible. Therefore, our music must also be found in the study of the Bible. <coughs> so, because of this, we need to see what the Bible has to say so our music will reflect what we believe to be true about God. Now again, this is an introduction. We're not expecting 
a big change of heart. We're not expecting flooded altars. But we are going to study an important subject. And it's important because God is our song. And this is the introduction. This is priming the pup. This is letting you know what we're going to build off of with the idea that music is important. It's not a matter of preference. It's a matter of what God says because it is a reflection of who God is. We want to build things off of our view of God based off of our view of the Bible. Because of this, what I would like you to do is have an honest heart, a teachable heart. Say, God, I want to learn more about you, so please teach me more about the music that you've given to us. Teach us more about what your Bible has to say about music, so I can be a reflection of you who is my song. And with that, having a teachable spirit, we want to learn more in the next couple weeks about God is our song. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.